0: Would you mind to come up and pray for us as we launch into our sermon today? Claude and Debbie Bennett are our prayer team leaders, and we just appreciate what they do. There you go. Okay, get this here. <laughs> there, you go there you go. Yeah. Hey, all right. Got to put go. a little muscle into it. Okay. All right. All right. Lift our hearts to the Lord, Father. We just thank you so much for your presence. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your love and your kindness. We pray that our hearts would be prepared this morning to receive your word, to grow in your grace. We pray for the pastor that he would just give a good word, God, from you that would be a blessing to the hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are just finishing one year and just starting another, and this is a time where people begin to reflect on and think about and resolve What it is that they want to do in the coming year, who they want to become in the coming year, what kind of things they want to pick up and what kind of things they want to let go. Right. So as we move into this new year, I want to start with a short series. It'll be about a five week series called First Things First. And we're going to talk about how do we prioritize and orient our lives according to the scripture so that we can have a bountiful, full, rich and abundant life. Uh, and it's a good time to start doing that at the beginning uh, because we want to put first things first. So we start with this at the beginning of the year and then we'll, we'll, um, we'll be working on a lot of other things throughout the year. But we'll do five sermons about that at the beginning. And I thought, I ran across a couple uh, things that I thought were kind of humorous and sort of touched on the point. So I thought I'd just show them to you really quick. As we're talking about resolutions, this guy says, well, well, it seems your weight is perfect. You just happen to be 11 feet too short. Um, you know, some of us are going to work on, you know... Our weight this year. Um, this one says, this one I think Rebecca really laughed loud when she saw this one. This, the guy says, my New Year's resolution is to stop telling you what to do all the time. Here, I wrote down your resolutions for you. <laughs> uh, this one says, honey, our lawyer wishes us but in no way guarantees us a happy New Year. So we're going to talk um, just for a little bit today about first things first, putting things first, setting our priorities, setting our goals, orienting our lives in the direction that we want them to go this year in, com- in, com- in compliance with the scripture, the word of God, and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, we have goals even for this church. I have goals in my mind for the vision of this church, where we're going as a church. We are growing and developing. We're just over a year old and there's just infinite potential with this church and when i look out at this church i see a church where the seats are full with people craving and seeking god i see a church where hearts are changed and transformed people coming here with heavy burdens difficulties addictions problems in their relationships and they come in here and they get resolved and there's true results and real changes in people's lives that's one of the goals that i see for us this year um, i want us to, to focus on prayer this year uh, we're, we're hoping this year to start a midweek prayer time where we'll have some music and just some prayer and it'll be low-key but people can just come together Pray together, lift one another up, encourage one another, strengthen one another. Listen to some music, worship God, and I think we can do that this year. And I think that'd be powerful. Um, we're going to launch some theology classes this year, and uh, we have uh, Jason Fry who's going to help do some some theology classes. And about you know probably you know theology. A lot of folks go theology. It, well, but it'll be cool okay it's going to be deep we want it we want to make sure we're drilling down in the word of god and that we're that we're getting what it says right so we're going to do some theology classes i want us to establish some overseas missions work this year right where we're supporting people overseas this church has been incredibly generous in its first year and we supported some nonprofit agencies around here in the first year this congregation has given away well, over fifteen thousand dollars to people who are in need. Uh, and, and that's amazing. That is amazing for a church's first year to do that. And I, I'll call you know, my friends, some of whom are pastors in big churches that have been around for a long time, I tell them that. And they're like, what? You know, this church's generosity has helped us to reach out and to begin to transform the community in a very real and tangible way. And I want us to, to spread that. So anyway, we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of goals this year. You know, I told you guys a few weeks ago, I went and met with the mayor and uh, it was great. She, she and the city manager sat down with me and they said, we have a question. Does your church, are there any needs or things that are arising in your church that you need to communicate to us? You know, that, that the city can help. And I said, yes, there is. And here it is. We need you to know that we are here to serve the community. We need you guys to know that we're here to dig in and help fill the needs of the people in our community. So put my number on speed dial. If something goes down where people need food, they need shelter, they need something, we will get a team together and we'll go out and help. So I want you to that's what I want her to know and, and, and the city manager. So they were they were sort of blown away because I, I think they thought that you know people would come in and say, yeah, help us out with this, help us that. No, we're a church that serves. We didn't come to be served, we came to serve, like Jesus who gave himself a ransom, right? So, anyway, it was an awesome meeting. Um, So today we're going to talk about, first things first, I want to start with a passage in Matthew that I just love. Matthew, in in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, for the Gentiles, in other words, as he's talking, the heathens, that's some of us, uh, all of us, right? The Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He already knows what you need, right? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is telling us, get your priorities straight. Orient your life correctly, and everything will flow in the direction that it needs to flow orient your life towards god put this first the kingdom of god and his righteousness all these other things you what you need to wear what you need to eat all these things will be added to you um jesus knows what we need right and he's asking us to put first things first a lot of us are time conscious well some of us are time conscious um i'm a time conscious person and and i may have told you this but probably two or three months ago my my little boy lincoln took my watch that my my mother-in-law and father-in-law bought me for my birthday and took that watch and put that watch down the toilet. And so for several weeks, um, I didn't have a watch. And so I would come to you guys, somebody before service, and I know I hit Daryl up once and Deanna once, and I'd say, hey, do you guys have a watch? Because I don't have a watch or anything to, you know, to time the sermon. Um, and if we don't get out of here in time, they'd dim the lights and start showing the movie. So we've got to make sure... <laughs> That we do this. So I, I, uh, I think I tried to use my phone once and I set it up here and then it starts buzzing and I'm trying to not be distracted. But anyway, um, we're time conscious, but we tend to be time conscious in a short time span, right? We tend not to have a lifetime consciousness or even an eternal consciousness. We tend to focus on those things that are right before us to the detriment of the long term, you know, the long term span, Right? Um, and there are a lot of scriptures that talk about having, ordering your days rightly, having a perspective of your life that is long term, having a perspective of yourself that is in an eternal time frame, not just an immediate time frame. Right? I was talking to my sister Sharinda who was here last week, and. Uh, She was talking about her career and changing careers and we talked about this book There was a book that that we had read It was called pathfinders and it was all about sort of how you navigate your career and this kind of thing It was a kind of a career helping book And one of the exercises it had that I found to be really interesting was it wanted you to draw out a graphic timeline of your life Start at the date you were born And literally draw a timeline And then pinpoint these instances in your life that have been meaningful to you up to the point where you are now, right? So if you're, you know, 40, then you pinpoint all the way up to here. And then it says pinpoint those instances in your life that you anticipate or that you desire that you want, right? And have a long-term perspective of your life. I found that exercise to be very helpful because, again, a lot of times we just focus on what's right in front of us. Um, But the scripture says, focus on the big picture. Why? Because life is short. Because of the brevity of our experience here on earth, right? Remember that we are spiritual creatures. We happen to be having a temporal existence. We have put on flesh that we carry around with us. It's part of us. But our real existence is a spiritual existence. And that spiritual existence lasts forever, Okay, so we're walking around in a temporal body. Our bodies will fade and turn to dust, but our spirit is here forever, right? Um, the scripture says in Psalm ninety thirty four and five, it says, Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Give me an orientation on the length and the, and the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am, how quickly I go. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, Handbreadths is this. That's like a handbreadth, right? You've made my days a few handbreadths and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Take a breath. <sighs> right? That's the length of mankind's existence on the earth from God's perspective. It's like that. And then the scripture says, Selah. And what that means is, Hang out and think about that for a second. Just chill right here and think about what I just told you. This this term, Selah, it, it, it turns up 74 times in the scriptures. Uh, it turns up in 39 different uh, psalms. And it turns up three times in Habakkuk. And some scholars think that it is it's a musical notation where... You know, because the, they used to sing the psalms, not just read them and say them. They used to sing them con- as a congregation. And then Selah would be like the musical interlude, right? So so it would be like, here's the psalm, and then it's like, Selah, break it down. And then the instruments would just do their thing, right? They would go off and, and, and do the instrumental version. You know, if it was James Brown singing the psalms, he would say, take me to the bridge right there, <laughs> Selah. Um, so, Selah, think about that. The scripture tells us this is, our life is but a breath. It's just, it's just a whisper, right? Um, I came across a really interesting article several weeks ago about a girl in Pennsylvania, a teenage girl, who has this rare uh, disorder, and it affects the thalamus and the hypothalamus in her brain. And it's called the sleeping beauty disorder. Um, and what happens is, when people have this disorder... They sleep, she can sleep for, for I think the longest that she slept was 64 days in a row. She normally sleeps 19 hours, I mean on a normal day she'll sleep 19 hours straight. And then she slept for long episodes and long periods. And this is a very rare disorder, but it does happen. Um, Since she has been born, she has only been awake for three Christmases. I think she was 19 at the time the article was written. Um... She just sleeps all the time. Some of us have to be careful that we're not sleepwalking through our own lives. You know, you know how when you fall asleep and then you wake up, the eight hours or, you know, however long it's been, went by like that. So if you can imagine sleeping for two months, waking up and going, what has happened for the last two months, right? Um, missing school, missing work, all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times I think in our lives, if we're not careful... We can wake up and go, what just happened to the last five years? You ever do that? Sometimes I look at my boys and I go, how is there a four-year-old in my house right now? That's weird because we just got married like 10 minutes ago. Um, time just slips by. It just, It's fast. It's quick. Um, and Psalm chapter 90, I'm going to read you an extended part of this because I really love this. Psalm 90 says, first it gives God's time span. It says, before the mountains were brought forth... Or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So here's God's lifespan. Always. Before the mountains, before the earth, before the universe, before anything, there was God. God is, always was, always will be. You return, he says, man to dust, and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday. When it is past, some, some of your uh, translations will say a thousand years is but a day. It's like this. It's just a click. Uh, when it is passed or as a watch in the night, the way the Hebrew, the, you know, the, the Israelites did time was in watches. They would have sentinels that would be up at night watching to make sure that enemies didn't come. And so they would have these, a watch, and a watch would be four hours. It'd be from... You know, sort of sundown till 10, from 10 till 2 a.m. and then 2 till the morning. So they would have these four hours. And and the scripture is saying, it's like a watch. It's like a four-hour time span that's gone. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Scripture says, you know, if if you're you're really strong, you get 80. I know Claude and Debbie are going to live 120 years, they tell me. So come on. Um, Yet, they are soon gone and we fly away. So teach us, the scripture says, to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. What does that mean, wisdom? Why do we need a heart of wisdom? Because wisdom is knowledge that is rightly applied to our life. Right? Knowledge is knowledge. Knowledge is data. It's information. It's great. I love information. I'm, I, I, you know, I can geek out and totally you know, drill down and get as much information as I can. But if you don't apply the information to your life, then you've got no wisdom. So he's saying, Give us, let us figure out and orient our lives. Order, us, order our days. Help us to number our days so that we can have wisdom, so that we can rightly apply this information to our lives, so we can live right. Um, order is important. Let me ask you this as we move into the new year, what is the foundation of your life? What is the foundation of your life? What is the first thing in your life? Because whatever that first thing is, everything grows on top of that. Everything builds up on top of the foundation that you have in your life. Okay? I'm going to give you sort of a fun example here. Who knows what this is? So... This is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. In 1178, this thing went under construction. And by the time they got to the second row of columns, it had begun to lean. It had begun to tilt. This is is a long time ago, all right? It had begun to tilt. So what the designers did is they said, I know what we'll do. We're tilting a little bit. So on the low side, we'll build taller pillars and then it'll even out, right? But guess what happens when you build taller pillars on the side that's already leaning? It's heavier, right? What does that do? It leans a little bit more. They had to stop building for 100 years. 100 years they stopped, and that helped the soil to, 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 you know, to stiffen up a little bit. And then back in the 90s and in the 80s, in the well, then they kept building, uh, and it, it just kept leaning. The thing has been falling down since 1178 AD. Slowly, Thank goodness. But it has slowly been falling down since 1178. Here's a picture of the the tower that you don't see often. This is the backside of the tower. Back in the early 90s, some engineers said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take massive, we're going to take 2 million pounds of lead weight and we're going to put it on the high side. We're going to try to push it back down, right? And then they took cables. This is all true. They wrapped a belt around the leaning tower of Pisa. And they took cables and they stretched them a block away. And they anchored them into the ground. Because the thing's fallen over. And then they took drills and augers and they went down under the high side of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Removed some soil to try to crank it back this way. And back within the last, you know, 20 years, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, for the first time in its history, has stopped falling down. Right? But why why did they have to go to all these bizarre measures... In the first place. Why? Is because they built the entire thing on a three meter foundation. On a nothing foundation. They didn't build the right foundation. So they had soft soil under there. And when they put this puny little foundation on there, the whole thing starts to fall over, right? What I'm trying to illustrate here is that if we don't build our lives on a rock solid foundation then we're going to be trying to do little fixes here and there, little adjustments here and there, to try and reorient our life to keep us from falling over. Amen? Do you feel that one? So if we don't build, if we don't build a rock-solid foundation, we're just, going to keep, we're just going to keep slipping. And we're going to try to patch it up with this. We're going to try to patch it up with that. We're going to try to patch it up with you know, whatever it is that, that we think might help us in that moment. But until we build a foundation... Start all over, scrap the dirt underneath it and build a strong foundation. We're not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to stand up straight. Um, I want to show you a couple, a couple, um, a couple scriptures. But before we do that, I just want to quickly three little points that I want to draw out of this um, to to help us set our or orient our lives for this year. Number one is we want to make a commitment. How many of you have been doing, have ever, have ever done this? You're standing at the edge and you're like, I really want to jump. Um, there, there's a show that I I saw this week um, and, and I've only seen a few episodes, but it's kind of interesting. It's called Shark Tank. And and what it is, it's these three investors or four investors, I think, four investors, multimillionaire folks, and they sit behind this panel and all of these guys who are starting businesses, but they, they want seed money or they want some, some money to help build their business, they'll come and they'll pitch their business to these, to these sharks, right, to these billionaires. So this week there was a guy who had this kind of a cool idea. He was a distributor, beverage distributor. And he came to the Shark Tank and he said, here's my plan, here's my business plan, here's how it's working, here's how many units I've sold, here's what I'm doing. I've, I've, and, and he was doing well but he really needed some additional capital to really blow this thing out and make it work, right? Three investors loved the idea. Three of them said, we will each give you $200,000 for a 10% interest in your company. So for 600 grand, the three of us combined will take 30%. And you've got our brains and our connections and our everything. And we're only taking 30% of the company and we're dumping over half a million in it right? It was a pretty good deal. It was a pretty good deal. And the guy, the, the, the guy who had the, the business couldn't commit. He just kept equivocating. He stood there going, um, and they, they were like, do you need to call someone? Yeah, yeah. I so he goes out and he calls somebody and he calls another businessman and he comes back in and he goes, my businessman friend, who's very, very wealthy, thinks that I should get a little bit more money for this. And they said, is your businessman friend willing to invest the money himself? And he's like, no. I said, okay, well, the, the, the business is worth what somebody will pay for it. So anyway, the guy kept just back and forth, just equivocating. And finally, one of the, one of the investors said, you know what, I'm out. I, I, can't, I can't sit here if you can't make it. I'm out. So that left two guys. So now the two guys are looking at each other going, do we want to pony up three, 300000 each? I don't know. And the guy's still sort of like wavering and the, and, and, and the second investor said, you know what, I'm out. And the third investor said, forget it, man, forget it. And so the guy left without, without you know, being able to blow open his business in the way that he really could have. The, and when he left, the investors were just like, the potential is so great, but this guy can't make a commitment. So all that to say, <laughs> make a commitment this year. We can't get anything done if we equivocate, right? At some point you go, all right, I'm going this way. I'm going to walk this way. I'm going to follow God and I'm going for it, right? I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to pursue righteousness. I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to be a follower of Christ. I'm making the commitment and I'm going for it, amen? Let's do that this year. Resolutions, write them down. Um, Joshua 24:15. I love this passage. Joshua, the great Israelite leader, brought all, the, brought all the elders together, brought all the tribes together and he said to them, you know, all these warriors, and he says to them, he says, look, Choose today, this day, whom you are going to serve. Whether the gods of your fathers, do you want to hang on to the past? Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. Do you want to hang on to the past? Do you want to adopt the new fads of the moment? Or, he says, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve Yahweh God, the, the one. We're serving God. I'm taking a step and we're going for it. And it may, there may be risky at times. There may be problems. There may be issues. There may be difficulties. But we're making the choice. We're making the commitment and we're going for it. We've got to make a commitment. J.R. Tolkien says, All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. That's all we have to do. We have to decide. The Latin word, decidere to decide. You know what it means? Cut off. What that means is when we make a decision, we're cutting off other options. I love that about that word. That's one of my favorite words because it means if I'm going right, I've cut off the option to go left. If I'm following God, I'm not following myself. I'm not going to pursue the little idols and the little distractions that have pulled me, you know, this direction. Cutting that off and I'm going this way. Like a weaver's web, you just, you make it and then you cut it off. That's it. Um, number two, we're going to put first things first this year. We're going to put first things first. How many of you would say that you have, in, at least in your mind, stated priorities? You can say what your priorities are to some extent, right? I can do that. Here's the, here's the problem. our stated priorities don't always turn out to be our actual priorities. Have you ever noticed that? I can tell you this. My priority, my family is a higher priority than almost anything else. God is my number one priority, but my family is number two. But I find that there are times when I'm not acting as if my family is number two priority, right? Because I'm busy and I'm distracted and I've got to go do this and I've got to do that and that. And, and Jameson will sometimes remind me... In fact, the other day, it was visual. I was heading out the door. I need to get going. I'm running late. I got to go. And Jameson went like this. No, I want you here. I don't want you to leave. I want you to sit with me. And it was a Friday. And Friday, they get to watch cartoons in the morning. And he was watching a, a cartoon called Word World, which I can barely say, Word World. And all he wanted was for me to sit down next to him for five minutes and watch word world so i've got my coat on i'm heading out the door i'm going to work and i thought you know what this this i need to i need to stop took off my coat took off my jacket sat down watched word world for i want to say 10 minutes he was so happy he was so satisfied he was just like and then when it was then when i got up to go he was like thanks dad you know it was awesome Sometimes our stated priorities and our actual priorities don't match. And this year we have to try to work to bring them together. Amen. We got to put things in the right order. and We got to stick with them. Um, resolutions, write them down. Write them down. If you write them down, you can't wiggle out of them. Put them down this year. Uh, Stephen Covey says that most of us spend too much time on what is urgent and not enough time on what is important. This is that quick temporal vision without the, the long-term vision. Sometimes we'll do the thing that's right there in front of us that's urgent. We've got to get this done, but it's really not that important. The important thing goes left undone because we've got the urgent thing right in front of us, right? Um, so let me give you a couple quick ones here. Uh, number one, as we are putting first things first, focus on spiritual things first. I want to challenge all of us, including myself, first thing in the morning this year, every morning... Let the first thing you do be to honor God. Pray. First thing. You can still be in bed. And your prayer can be, thank you, Jesus. But start off acknowledging your creator. First thing. First thing's first, right? Scripture. Put the scripture first. The word of God, put it first. Start your day with with reading the scripture and prayer and you don't have to go into an epic long bible study but can you you know if if god is really the most important thing if following god is the most important thing why not put that first the first thing you do some of you may need a cup of coffee first okay fair enough right so that you can read the scripture so that you can make sense some of us are morning people some of us are night people um My wife's a night person, so I'm going to give her a break and say orange juice and everything like that is fine. You can start with that. But then prayer and scripture, right? Um, Give God the first of everything this year. The very first thing, the first of your talents, the first of everything you do, the first of your time, the first of your energy, everything you do, the fruit of your labor. Give him the first. Everything you do, give him the first this year. Uh, Number two, we want to focus on relationships. Relationships. Focus on relationships this year. Life groups are a great way to do that. Not to put a plug in, but it's awesome to start to build. Our Christian life cannot be led alone. It cannot be led alone because we alone will falter and fail. And we'll falter and fail in community, but we have other people around us to encourage us, strengthen us, and build us up. The scripture says that build one another up to good works. That's why it says come together. Don't forsake the coming together. Come together because you're going to build each other up. And when somebody is down and struggling, there's somebody else there to put their arm around them and say, I'm with you. I'm praying with you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to strengthen you. Right? And we need that. All of us need that. So we're going to focus on relationships. Listen to this real quick scripture. First Peter says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, Keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality one without, uh, to one another without grumbling. What he's saying is time is short. Love each other. Time is short. Build community. Time is short. Strengthen relationships. That's what the scripture is saying. Let's, let's come together. Let's build one another up this year. Um, is that all right? Number three, focus on purpose. I absolutely believe that every single human being within the sound of my voice and on the planet is here on purpose. I honestly believe that. I used to use the phrase, by the accident of my birth. That used to be a phrase that I used. And said, ah, by the sheer accident of birth, I was born this way into this family. I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that we're were that we accidental. I really don't. I believe that God purposely put each one of us here and everything he does is for a purpose God is sovereign he is in charge of the universe and if you're here you're here for a purpose on earth God has a purpose for your life and I remember very clearly the first time that I came to that conclusion or or that I at least acknowledged that possibility because I was not a believer for many years as you know and there was a, a a period when i was sort of struggling to think about hmm maybe I, maybe should i believe in god do i believe in god and i was really questioning that and i remember thinking to myself i was in a little i was in a uh, an apartment in california and i was sort of thinking about this and i remember thinking yeah but it's just by accident that i was born into this family into this you know home where where these guys are preachers and I, my parents are Christians and people pray for me and it's just by accident and da, da da and then i thought now wait a minute what evidence do i have that this was sheerly an accident because it's possible that it's not an accident it's possible that i was born into this family in this way with these characteristics with these with this personality for a purpose it's possible that there's something behind this right And that's when I first and and it's sort of a crack in my in my you know worldview when I started to go, wait a minute, maybe God is real, maybe God has something for me, maybe God, maybe there is meaning in life, maybe there is purpose in life, and I've come to be fully convinced of that. And so I want to say to you, let's focus on your purpose. What is it that God has put down in your heart? And we talked about calling and all that last week. But what has God put in your heart to do and become? You have a purpose. And in fact, in in, uh, First Peter, he continues in that same verse. He says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In other words, you guys all have different strengths. You have different purposes. You have different values. We're all one body and we all have different functions, right? We all do different things. Nobody's more important, nobody's less important, right? There's no Greek, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no male, there's no female. In the body of Christ, we serve God, we all have separate functions, but they're equal functions, right? Paul says, if you are the elbow, don't say, gosh, I wish I was the nose. You can't be the nose, somebody else is the nose, you're the elbow. Do the thing that God has put in your heart, right? Don't try to be somebody else be the person that God has made you be. Focus on your purpose. Amen? Amen. And finally, number three, do it now. Do it now. I, uh, I'm going to date myself, but I love the Rocky series. I love them. I was a little kid when Rocky 1 came out. And in fact, I wrote, this is funny, but I wrote Sylvester Stallone after I saw the first Rocky movie. And I said, Dear Mr. Stallone. My name is Brent Rome. I kind of look like you. If you make another movie, I want to play your son. And I went to the library and got, I don't know if it was his agent's address or whose it was, and I sent it to him. And I'm still a little bit ticked off at Sylvester Stallone that I haven't heard back from him um, from that letter. So, But anyway, that's a complete aside. We can delete that from the recording, Sean. Thank you. Um, but... The thing is that uh, the thing that I was reminded of in, the, in that series is that there's a there's a there's a scene in Rocky Three, all right, where Apollo Creed is training Rocky, and he's training him and and he, and he's sparring with him, right? And Apollo is you know this like it could see you smiling ear to ear, and and Apollo is, is sparring with him and he's just beating him up, and Rocky's just like can't you know can't pull it together, you know? And these images of Clubber Lang, remember Mr. T, uh, are like in his head, and, and Rocky's freaking out. What am I going to do? And Apollo Creed is saying, Come on, man. Come on. Pull it together. Let's go. you got to train. you got a fight coming up. And Rocky says, You know, we'll come back in tomorrow. We'll come back in tomorrow. We'll be good. And Apollo Creed says, There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is no tomorrow. Right? Whatever we're going to do, let's do it now. The scripture says, Come now, you who say... Ah, uh, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there, we'll trade, we'll make a profit. James says, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Poof! There is no tomorrow. Whatever you're going to do, let's do it. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. Come on, Apollo Creed. Get us going. Um, I love the... the, the Poem By Horace the lyric poet the roman lyric poet that ends with that phrase carpe diem It says seize the day Trusting as little as possible in tomorrow Because you don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. We don't have tomorrow. We have now We have the present we have right now Ecclesiastes says the same thing I think I skipped it. Oh, I, I might not have put it up here, but it says He who observes the wind Will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. In other words, if you're waiting for the perfect time, it isn't going to happen, right? If you're sitting there going, I think I'm going to sow a harvest or sow my seeds as soon as the temperature is exactly right, you're not going to sow the the seeds, and you're not going to reap the harvest. Don't hesitate, don't procrastinate. Do it now. Amen? Benjamin Franklin says, You may delay. But time will not time just keeps on going um, i 'm going to close with before I get to that scripture um, the, there 's a pastor friend uh, of mine dan dean he 's one of our he 's one of our overseers of this church and his church down in Texas is a supporter of this church, and they were a big help when we launched and uh, he called me last week, and we were talking about um, uh, about, he knew my dad really well. And, and my dad, who was also a pastor, used to love <laughs> every new year, and some of you guys know him, every new year he would come up with a theme for the new year. And he just loved to do it and always rhymed, right? It'd be like, let's close the door in 2004, right? <laughs> right? It'd be like, time to thrive in 1995. And I remember as a kid, I, I couldn't wait until the sevens because he always struggled with the sevens. It'd be like sh- shooting for heaven in 2007, right? It was just like s- sevens are hard to rhyme. You've got leaven, you've got heaven, you've got repleven. There, there's not much you can do. But anyway, um, so, so Dan, Dan Dean was talk, was reminding me of this and we were kind of laughing. And, and he said, but your dad did have one phrase that has always stuck with me. And my dad had this phrase. Where he would say. Live while you live. Live while you live. Be in the present. Do it now. Go for it. And, and, and even today. If you go to Arizona. Where my father's buried. That's what's written on his tombstone. Live while you live. Because that was his mantra. That was his theme. Let's do it. Let's do it now. Let's go for it. Right? James. Let's end with James. I mean Matthew. Sorry. Sorry. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Amen. Let's seek the first things first this year. Let's seek first things first. Let's make a commitment. Let's do it now. Amen. Can we do that? I feel inspired. Do you feel inspired? Amen. All right. Let's pray.